future. Game two is tonight. Penguins and Flyers. Tonight determines if the series is easy or difficult for the Pittsburgh Penguins. If Pittsburgh wins tonight and goes up two games to none, it's tough to see a way back for the Flyers. It's hard to imagine them winning four out of the next five against the Penguins. But if Philadelphia wins tonight and steals home ice, well, the Flyers don't suddenly become favorites to win the series, but it's much easier to envision a long series. I prefer the path of least resistance. So I'd like to see the Penguins win game two by a score of 7-0 again, please. This is the Mark Madden Show. I am a super genius with a tested IQ of 166, and you can't teach that. But a boom smartest guy in the room. 412-333-WXDX is the number to call, or you can follow me on Twitter at MarkMaddenX. I'm going to be interested to see how the Flyers react. Will their heads be screwed on properly? Will the Flyers turn to shenanigans? That's part of their DNA, of course. Will Elliott get off to a decent start and goal? That's assuming he starts. I've not seen an official decision yet. Will the coach, Hackstall, will he try and get the Giroux line away from Sid's line? Uh, uh, avoid that matchup, which really blew up in the Flyers' faces in game one. And keep in mind, Pittsburgh has the last change. Maybe Mike Sullivan wants to maintain that matchup. How could he not? But I don't know if better matchups help Philadelphia. But they sure couldn't hurt. I can't believe Provorov and Gostasbear played together at the expense of puck movement on the other two pairs. If I'm Philly, my main priority is making sure Sid and Gino don't score in the first period. Baby steps. That's how the Flyers got to approach it. Baby steps. You can't let Sid and Gino maintain their momentum from game one. And if I'm Philadelphia, I hit Chris Letang more on the forecheck. Philadelphia barely got a forecheck going in game one. And as far as what the Penguins should do tonight, just more of the same. Obviously, a few less turnovers, maybe. Matt Murray bailed the Penguins out a couple times on Wednesday in the wake of Penguin turnovers. Murray has now not a lot of goal in his last 207 minutes of playoff hockey. No goals against in his last 207 minutes of playoff hockey. Not bad. So it's game two, Pittsburgh and Philadelphia. Somebody in Pittsburgh say something about getting fired up. It won't be easy like it was Wednesday, unless it is. Let me remind the crowd that if the home team falls behind, don't disappear. Everything went Pittsburgh's way in game one. Help the boys hang in there tonight if it goes bad momentarily. 412-333-WXDX is the number to call. Washington at Columbus opened up last night. It went to overtime. 
The fans in D.C. were expecting to lose the whole way, all night. The tension was palpable coming through the TV, and the Caps did lose. Panarin scores for the Blue Jackets in OT. What a tremendous goal coming off the rush. Three points on the evening for Panarin, but Washington lost it more than Columbus won it, which is so typical of the Capitals. Washington was ahead 3-2, and Borakovsky took a stupid penalty behind the Blue Jackets' net, and Seth Jones tied it for Columbus on the power play. Stupid, stupider, stupidest. Boston killed Toronto 5-1, a very nasty game. Horrible hit by Nazem Kadri on Wingles, which we'll talk about later. Tampa dropped New Jersey 5-2. And uh, out west, San Jose won the first game of that series against Anaheim. And after a spirited battle early, Colorado hung in there. They led 1-0 and 2-1, but Nashville ultimately won game one of that series 5-2. So the NHL playoffs are well underway. Tonight is going to be electric. It's always electric at PPG Paints Arena come playoff time. I'd like to ask uh, listeners of this show a favor. I'd like to ask you to not go and watch the game on the big screen tonight at PPG Paints Arena. That big screen set up at the bottom of the hill there what I refer to as the backdoor entrance right across the street from Buford's at PPG Paints Arena. Uh, The big screen, it's a lot of fun, but don't go. If you don't have a ticket, stay far, far away. I need you to watch the game at home tonight if you don't have a ticket because I need as little traffic as possible when I leave the studio to go to the game tonight. And really, that environment, that electricity should be left to those rich enough to afford a ticket or famous enough to get in for free, like me. We just don't need a bunch of strap hangers cluttering up the area to indulge some imagined sense of community. So again, stay away from the big screen at PPG Paints Arena tonight. I'll tell you someplace you do need to be. I'm hosting a viewing party for Game 3 Sunday at the Broad Street Bistro in North for Sales. That's at 3 p.m. I was at the Broad Street Bistro earlier this season for a game, and it was epic, classic. So be sure to watch Game 3 with me, Mark Madden, at the Broad Street Bistro in North for Sales this Sunday. You know, i got to give credit to Ryan Shazier of the Steelers. He was at the game on Wednesday, Game 1, stood Got a nice pop from the crowd, which is great. It's good to see him getting better. But Ryan Shazier's been at a bunch of Penguin games this season. He is a Penguin fan. He's not there to get the cheap crowd pop. Like, I I, I bet Tomlin's there at some point. Tomlin never goes to Penguin games. When he does, he's going to get on the Jumbotron, get the big crowd pop, and indulge his ego. Whereas Ryan Shazier's a Penguin fan. So hats off to him, and it it was good to see him at the game Wednesday night. If you stayed away all year, stay away now. Mike Tomlin, if you're listening, we we don't need you there. I personally don't want you there. 
That's a seat you're taking up that somebody that really loves the team and is really a fan could sit in. If you've been with the team all season, yeah, go, like Ryan Shazier. If you're showing up to get the crowd pop, keep that massive ego of yours at home, Tomlin. Keep that massive ego of yours at home. Uh, the Penguins had an optional morning skate. However, uh, good news, Matt Murray and Ole Moderate were on the ice today after missing practice yesterday. So yesterday really was a maintenance day for Murray and Mata, missing practice. And not them being injured because you always get scared because of all the lying that goes on regarding injuries this time of year. Here's how bad Brian Elliott played on Wednesday. On the stat sheet, you couldn't fit his goals against average on one line. 10.34. Yikes. Let's just see a good start tonight for the Penguins. Wednesday was a dream start with Russ scoring right off the hop. But I feel like in any game, if the Pens get through the first 10 minutes and don't trail the Flyers, then talent is going to tell. To repeat, win tonight and it's easy. Philly's not going to win four out of five. Lose tonight and you're still favored big time. But you're rolling the dice a bit when you don't need to. Let's get the hockey talk going. we got Jason Mackey of the Post-Gazette. At 3.30, John Steigerwald, the king of old school at 4.16, and Mike Rupp of the NHL Network to kick off the Hockey Night Show at 5.30. It's the best hockey talk in town, and you can hear it only here on the home of the Penguins, 105.9. This is Chad Riedel of the Pittsburgh Penguins. You're listening to Mark Madden and the best hockey talk on 105.9 DX. As a couple tweets pointed out after I complimented Ryan Shazier for being a legitimate Penguin fan, not somebody who shows up in the playoffs to get his face on the Jumbotron. It was pointed out to me on Twitter that Shazier stays till the end of the game, every game. Doesn't chump out early. Supports the team. I like that. I watched hockey all night last night. It was tremendous. Lots of dirty hockey. That Kadri hit on Wingles in Toronto versus Boston. That Wilson hit on Wenberg in Washington versus Columbus. That's going to keep Wenberg out of game two. Wow, that's a big loss for Columbus, which isn't very strong at center. Although that Dubois kid had another tremendous game last night. A sublime feed to Thomas Vonick for a power play goal right in front. Uh, nowhere did Kadri being suspended but it's inconceivable he won't be. Uh, if you got to win a series by knocking the other team's players out of the series, I mean, wow. What price victory? What level won't you stoop to? I've always said the Flyers using systematic violence to win the Stanley Cups in 74 and 75, in my mind, negate those Stanley Cups. It's like they didn't win them. That Kadri hit was really dirty. Wingles was down, and Kadri targeted Winkles' head with a hip check. What a piece of crap. What a crappy move. Roll over Matt Cook and tell Brad Marchand the news. That That is the one disclaimer. Uh, Caudry got Winkles. A Toronto player nailed a Boston player. Illegally should get suspended. But Boston shouldn't cry too much when Brad Marchand does that type of crap all the time. That was always the disclaimer with the Penguins, too. For many years, whenever somebody did the Penguins dirty, 
Whenever somebody pulled a dastardly stunt, you could just point at the Penguins bench and say, well, who's that sitting there? It's Matt Cook, isn't it? You guys got no room to talk. I like this. Some boxer in California named Rod Salka, some palooka. He wore boxing trunks with a brick wall design for his fight last night, and it said America first on the waistband. And then he lost to a Mexican fighter. TKO after six. So much for Trump's wall, huh? Seriously, how funny is that? Uh, Richie Incognito retired, the football player, the goof, the bully. Good, F him. He can go back to his trailer park. But after a bunch of years in the league, I bet he's got a pretty nice trailer. A big old double wide. Uh, Here's some uh, pretty good topics to just run through. And I'm going to talk more about the Pirates later in their 9-3 and three start. I'm going to ask you how invested you are emotionally in that start. After just what I felt was a terrible offseason, PR-wise, for the Pirates. Didn't sign one major league free agent. And as Forbes magazine reported a couple days ago, they profited by $30 million. Uh, but a smaller issue first. Clint Hurdle got pissed, the manager, because... Uh, Javi Baez flipped his bat after a home run in Chicago on Wednesday. Baez, uh, one of the Cubs' many great players. And Hurdle questioned Baez's respect for the game. First off, MYOB and manage your own team. You've got plenty of worries in your dugout. Second off, get that dog off my lawn. Third off, tell your pitchers to not throw home run balls. And that solves the problem. Quit feeding the gopher. I don't know why Clint Hurdle would make that an issue with his team off to such a good start, 9-3. and three. Hurdle should have kept his mouth shut on this one. Hey, the Pirates point at the dugout and have their little secret gesture after every hit, and they dance in the dugout all the time. Sorry, but Clint Hurdle comes off like an absolute jackass on this one. And speaking of respect for the game, who had their career affected negatively because he lacked discipline with alcohol? Once upon a time, Mr. Hurdle, I believe that was you. So won't you please shut the hell up? Another news item. The take it and eat thing won't go away. It won't. Uh, During the national anthem before NFL games. The Seattle Seahawks reportedly canceled an interview with Colin Kaepernick because he won't promise to stop kneeling. Cincinnati reportedly... The Bengals won't sign Eric Reed, the safety, for the same reason. And that's hilarious because the Bengals are like a prison farm. I supported Kaepernick and the rest and their right to do what they did. Not what Kaepernick did. I wouldn't do it, but his right to do it. I support that. But this has gone on long enough. Whatever point was to be made has been or shouldn't been or should have been or hasn't been. And now the NFL needs to make a rule. The NFL needs to make a rule. And that rule should be, you have to stand at attention during the anthem. If you were not, you were disqualified for that game, and you're suspended for the next one. Maybe start with the fine. But you don't want to do it once, do you? No, no. Disqualified from that game, ejected, and then suspended for another game. You've got to be on the field, standing at attention during the national anthem. Make that a condition of employment like the NBA does. Do that and be done with it. 
because the NFL got to be done with it. Even if it reignites a firestorm for a while because they put that role in, at least then it's over because this can't go on. They are losing viewers. They are losing popularity. They are pissing people off. This can't go on. And I'll be real blunt. Again, I support Colin Kaepernick's right to do this. Who gives a flying fornication what Colin Kaepernick thinks? This millionaire. I know he's given a lot to, to, to the cause he's fighting for, but he ain't given everything. He's just given a small percentage of it. I don't care what he thinks. I don't care what Eric Reed thinks. I don't care what anybody thinks. Just kick the ball off and hit somebody. Up next, we talk hockey with Jason Mackey, the Post-Gazette. Oh, my God, the Man City-Liverpool game is being replayed on Fox Sports 1. Excuse me, AT&T Sportsnet today. God, I could watch that all day. 105.9 The X. This is Tom Kunak of the Pittsburgh Penguins. You're listening to Mark Madden and the best hockey talk on 105.9 The X. Man City are lining up a free kick, and I know they're not going to score because they didn't. ha <laughs> ha. We're so pretty, we hate Man City. Where's John Lydon when you need him? Joining me now to talk hockey from the Post-Gazette, he is Jason Mackey. I'm a guy, do you expect the Flyers to make any changes tonight, whether with their lineup or with their approach? What can they do after what happened in game one? I honestly, well, first off, Mark, I don't expect them to change anything. Uh, I think it's still going to be Elliott and goal. I don't I don't think there are many routes they uh even can go that are going to make a huge difference. Um, if I'm the Flyers, I basically try to stick with it and try to bank that, um, you know, we're going to stay with the process and don't panic and, and hope that it's a one-game thing. I mean, me personally, I don't think it was a one-game thing. I think the Penguins are that much better than the Flyers. But I just I think the important thing, if you're going to try to give yourself a chance and you're Philly, is to try to not press the panic button here. Well, let's talk about the mental aspect of tonight because we like to say that a 2-1 to loss is the same as a 7 nothing loss. And the Flyers' locker room was saying that Wednesday, as they should. But I'm not sure I buy that. I think Philadelphia was absolutely demoralized, and especially the goalie, Brian Elliott. Yeah, I don't, I don't buy that for a second, Mark. I think it means more that it was a 7 nothing loss. I mean, if, if, if that's what these guys do for a living. You know, if, if I would write something so bad that it was equivalent to a 7 nothing loss, or your show would be so bad as the equivalent, and I know that would never happen for you. Uh, no, no, I've done that plenty of times. <laughs> I mean, wouldn't you be agitated and want to have a better effort the next time? Like, I just think the Flyers, they're going to show something. I just look at this thing on paper, what I saw from the Flyers the other night, what Brian Elliott did. I just don't know what gear that is that they could find, even on their best day, that's going to be competitive with the Penguins. One time in, in, in the early days of this program, I lost uh, 5-3 to Jack Wheeler, who hosted a show on the on the other stage. That was my last recorded loss, though. Uh, the Giroux, Jack Wheeler. I was searching for a better name than that, and I couldn't come up with one. Uh, Almost but, sounds like you were making it up. No, no, there was a Jack Wheeler, and he was really good, actually. Uh, the Giroux line got decimated. Lynn Cullen, that would have been better. Uh, the Giroux line got decimated by the Sid line on Wednesday. If you're Dave Haxtell, the Flyers coach, do you try and avoid that matchup tonight, uh, Mackay? And if you're Sullivan, do you try to perpetuate that matchup? Well, if I'm Sullivan, I definitely try to perpetuate that matchup. And we saw him... All season long, go after it. He's fine with it. I actually asked Sully about that this morning, about his best-on-best philosophy. And it's not just the Flyers that he's done that to. He's done that to a lot of teams. And I think it, it, well, I mean, I know it's because of Sid's 200-foot game. Sullivan this morning called him the best 200-foot player in the league. And whether you buy that or not, Sid plays both ends of the rink 
so well that he can do that. Um, I think Sullivan's going to try to keep getting that. I do think Haxtell's going to try to go away from it. But with Sullivan having last change, I don't think there's anything he can do about it until they get into Philly. And that is such a mismatch. Uh, that line was awful. Um, you know, and the way Sid went the other night, too, I, if that's even close to that, I see at least a similar result coming out of this thing. Um, and that's a, that's a big thing for the Flyers, taking Couturier and Giroux out of the mix the way the Penguins did. Well, I look at uh, not just Wednesday's game, but the four regular season games, and the Penguins scored five goals against the Flyers in every single regular season game. They scored seven goals on Wednesday. That's 27 goals in five games, for those of you without calculators. And what the Flyers like to do won't work against the Penguins. Against the Penguins, they need Couturier to be a checker and not a 30-goal scorer, and they need Proveroff and Gostasbear on different pairs to kind of at least have a chance against the Penguins' forecheck. The way they line up might work against bad teams. I don't think it's ever going to work against the Penguins. No, and that's exactly right, Mark. Uh, you're, you're right on the money there. And the other thing I was kind of surprised about seeing Philly, and this has been different um, in the, the regular season meetings, was the third line for Philly. Uh, that had nothing. And I'm talking about Sopola, Simmons, and Travis Konechny. Um, you know, I, I don't know whether Konechny is, like, not comfortable or whatever. Like, that, that, that was just... To me, not much of a threat there, and I mean that. I don't think he's comfortable on left wing. I think he's better on the right. Yeah, I mean that 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 easily could be it. I, I didn't know whether it was playoffs or whatever, but I mean, not they're getting nothing there. And to me, if if the Couturier line could even hold serve with Crosby, which of course they didn't. I'm not saying they did, but you might have a matchup win there with the defense. Uh, you know, with having Kessel and Sherry, if you go three on three there, the way Sullivan wanted to do, that could be an advantageous matchup. They especially have no no answer for Simmons on that line. But that line was a non-factor. And, I mean, really, none of the lines were a factor. But I thought that one might have the potential to do something. The Penguins' fourth line played very well Wednesday and got a lot of minutes. Was that a product of the game, or did that line just play well? I think that line is starting to learn what it does effectively. And so I guess it's a little bit of both to answer your question, Mark. But I think that line is realizing that, like, goals may come, but they don't have to come. Uh, the, the two biggest edicts or their three biggest edicts are like keep the puck, create turnovers, and hit people. Um, I don't think there's any universe where that line's going to fill it up. I just think they need to do what they did the other night. You know, get those extended shifts, keep the puck in the flyers, and allow the Penguins to get a partial change and sort of change momentum. We're talking to Jason Mackey, the Post Gazette. Jason brought to you by our friends at windownation.com. Uh, was it just me or was Chris Letang? A lot more basic Wednesday. It looked like Latang was mostly just playing defense. Yeah, no, I, I think you're absolutely right, Mark. And we saw this a few weeks ago where Latang started to maybe more than a few weeks ago, uh, where where he started to find a groove. And you know, I think Latang can do a lot of different things and can take some chances and recover from them. But I feel like the basis of his game and when he's good, it generally starts from stuff that we saw last night um, or two nights ago, rather. And, and you know, not forcing things, making the safe plays. Occasionally the game's going to break open where he can do some things and jump in the rush and carry the puck for longer stretches. But I thought he was really smart the other night. I thought he was balanced. Um, seemed like he was playing with a lot of confidence. Even his, his demeanor, you know, off-ice stuff was a little bit different. I don't know whether it was just an excitement level getting back to playoff hockey or what, but uh, Latang looked calm, composed. Um, too much this season, I feel like we've seen him thinking just entirely too much out there for the style of hockey that he plays. 
People criticize the Penguins' defense, uh, the team's defensive play, and the defense core as well. But when the Penguins have defensive problems, isn't it mostly due to bad turnovers that they can't regroup after some outrageous giveaway? Yeah, I mean, I think there are so many more things that go into the Penguins being a, a so-so defensive team or a questionable defensive team. And, you know, when all this stuff started to get drummed up over the, the final month of the regular season, the penalty kill stunk. Matt Murray was average. Um, defensive coverage. They're managing the puck poorly. Defensemen are pinching. They're not covering for them. Like, there's a bunch of different issues. You know, it's not just as simple as saying, you know, Chris Letang just had a terrible game. Dumoulin had a terrible game. Um the way the forwards handle the puck, the risks they take, how responsible they are either back-checking or supporting one another or whatever, I mean, there's so much more that goes into it than just one guy. And I think the Penguins, because of the style of game they want to play uh, and the, the offensive players they have, I think they open themselves up to some risk there, um, which they're okay with. It should just be less than it's been, and I thought that was very good in Wednesday's game. Chad Ruedel blocked six shots Wednesday. Is that positioning or him being a daredevil? Because the Penguins blocked 24 shots Wednesday, but they weren't flopping around. It was just nice and easy. Yeah, I think it was, you know, I, I think it spoke more to where Philly decided to shoot from that the Penguins were in position to do that. I didn't love Philadelphia's approach. I mean, I, I did as someone writing about the game because it made it easy, but if I'm a Flyers fan, I'm, I'm not a huge fan about that. Um, I think Ruido was just sort of taking what the game gives him, not to you know go with that cliche too far. But um, I think Ruido has been fine in that spot. Um, you know, he, he we've talked about this before, Mark. But he just he knows what he is. Like he doesn't get out of his element too much. If it's there, he's going to do it. He can do a little bit of everything. I don't think he does anything exceptionally well, but he does it all okay. Um, and so, yeah, to me, that was more just a function of what the Flyers were doing around him, and he was smart to do it. I don't believe in the concept that teams can flip a switch or that players can flip a switch, but I think the Penguins might have done just that. I think some of their players might have done just that because they had an electricity in a 200-foot game for 60 minutes that we haven't seen a ton this year. Yeah, I, I go back and forth on the whole like flipping a switch thing. And I, I know that term kind of irritates people, but it is hard to fake it. You know, it, it was hard to fake it in October, November, and December and where this team had been. And, you know, I think there was a little bit of regular season fatigue with this group coming down the stretch. You know, a lot of guys told me that they just, like, wanted to get this thing going. And it wasn't like, hey, we want to punt on the, the final few games. It just there's a natural tendency with this group i think to look at what they can accomplish in the playoffs and it's easy to sort of forget about that game in march against ottawa or whatever you know i'm just making up an example but um you know, then we go from that to the playoffs i know it's not as easy as flipping a switch but i do think there's something there it's just there there's a certain intensity that these guys one they rise to but two you can't fake it you can't really act like it until you're there well i think part of it is that when Somebody says the team flipped the switch. They think that means they went from 0 to 10. I think in this case, the Penguins might have gone from 7 to 9. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a much better way of putting it. And it's just it's matching a playoff intensity. And I think they're really good at doing that. And, again, with what I'm saying, it's just there's certain things in the playoffs that you can't fake. Like, even a regular season game compared to a preseason game. Like, you can try to make it realistic all you want. It's just not. It's It's not. Tonight seems like a big game because if Pittsburgh wins, 
I'd never say it's over because I've seen stranger things happen, but I don't think Philadelphia wins four out of five moving forward. I just don't think they have the talent to do that against Pittsburgh. So I think if ever Philly's going to be desperate, it's got to be this evening. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think I think that's a really good point. One and two, I think that this game is exceptionally huge for that reason. And, and there's also the factor. I believe Philly's won like five in a row at home, and the Penguins have obviously struggled on the road. So let's say if Philly can sneak one out tonight. I feel like that changes the dynamic in a big way going to Philly. I mean, it changes the mental flyer. dynamic for sure. Right, right. And I mean, even if, you know, even at that point, if you feel like you split, you know, we're going to be back here in game five, tied 2 2. I, I don't know. I, I don't like that. But I, I do, looking at the opposite end of this thing, if the Penguins win tonight, it's over. I mean, I, I think we're there anyway, but I, there's no way, like you said, that the Flyers are going to come back. And, you know, from that hole, you only have to split in Philly and you're fine. So I, to me, it's a pretty big swing game tonight. Before we let you go, uh, what's your take on some of the other games last night? especially some of the dirty hits. That Kadri hit, that Tom Wilson hit, it's been a dirty playoff so far. Yeah, and, and Doty, too, I, it's kind of weird, man. Like, uh, that seemed, The Wilson thing didn't surprise me all that much. I mean, that's kind of what we have come to expect from him. But I guess just like looking at, looking at it from maybe 30,000 feet and why there's so much of this stuff continually, I don't know if there's just like, no fear of punishment from the NHL or what, but I, yeah, I'm, I'm trying to make heads or tails of it, Mark. It's, it's sad. I mean, I don't like seeing it. I wish it didn't exist. Again, I'm not surprised by the Tom Wilson stuff, but I guess I'm kind of hoping to chalk it up to like it's the beginning of the playoffs and everybody's all excited and they've got a bunch of energy, but I just wish it was channeled in a different way. I mean, I don't, I don't like hockey and having people maim one another. I'd, I'd rather see the skill and speed. Me too. I want it to be decided by goals and not attrition. Makai, great stuff. We'll see you at the rink in just a little bit. All right, Mark. Thanks for having me. That's Jason Mackey brought to you by Window Nation. Always a pleasure to talk to the Post-Gazette Penguins writer. We got Staggy next hour at 4.15. We got Mike Rupp at 5.30. We want to get you on the show. I don't know if you've noticed, but I enjoy taking calls during the hockey playoffs. Not that the calls are necessarily good because they – well, no, they've been – now, if I say better than usual, is that an indictment? I'm not sure if that how that comes across. And don't forget, if you're listening, you don't have tickets, stay home. No big screen for you. The less traffic, the better. Don't be a strap hanger. 1059X. Linda Cohn, who knows a ton about hockey, and no, the unfinished sentence isn't, even though she's a girl. She just knows a lot about hockey, period. Linda Cohn just tweeted, Kadri's been suspended three times in his career. If NHL player safety really wanted to send a message, they should suspend him six to ten games. Don't care if it's the playoffs. Uh, Huzzah for that tweet. I agree with Linda. Uh, That was one of the most vicious attempts to injure I've seen in years. And Kadri as a repeat offender should be suspended. Playoffs or no. I bet he gets one game. It'll be ridiculous, but I bet he gets only one game. You know, just to backtrack, I was talking about Clint Hurdle. Bitching because Bias flipped his bat. I didn't watch the game, and I won't watch most games, so keep that in mind when I talk about the Pirates. Bias flipped his bat after popping up, and Hurdle still bitched about it. He was pissed because he popped up. Just be glad he popped up. 
Clint Hurdle's a dickweed. Let's be honest. Let's let's call him what he is. He's a dink. And Contreras argued a called strike. And Hurdle, what happened with that? Manage your own team. Just, just, just manage. I, I, I like Clint Hurdle less and less every day. Pretty good manager. Perfect manager for Pittsburgh, but stuff like this, him creating, not for the first time either, Clint Hurdle creating a tempest in a teapot. Boring, 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 except here we are talking about it. Turning back to hockey, <laughs> only nine goalies have had three straight shutouts in the playoffs with Matt Mur Murray having completed that particular hat trick on Wednesday. Some of the other goalies who did it, though, uh, check out the list. There's some strange names. For example, Brent Johnson did it. Remember Johnny? When he was here in Pittsburgh, he beat the crap out of Rick DiPietro, the Islander goalie. Johnny got three straight playoff shutouts with St. Louis. And then Patrick Laleem. Patrick Laleem is no Hall of Fame goalie, but he's got a couple pretty significant goaltending records. When he was with the Penguins, Laleem had the longest unbeaten streak to start a career. 14 wins and two ties. That was 1996-97. And after that, he went 7-12 that season. And then he had three straight shutouts in the playoffs with Ottawa, in 2002. Think about that. This 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 curtain jerker, Patrick Olim, longest unbeaten streak to start a career, most playoff shutouts in a row. That's a good legacy for Ham and Ager. No quarter brought to you by CW Electrical Services. Make the switch at CWElectricalServices.com. I just read a lengthy piece on the Dan LeBetard show which I never liked because I think having his dad on is silly but then I read the article I'm going to give the show a second look because everything they strive to do on the Dan LeBetard show is to not take sports so friggin seriously and that is the approach to take that is the approach to take it pointed out the guy who wrote the article was watching on split screen. And on one screen, Stu Gotts, who's Lepetard's sidekick, is talking about how he forgot to request a vacation day. And so his wife had to take their kids to Costa Rica without him, and he had to go a day later, and she was livid. And on the other screen, it's Stephen A. Smith and Max Kellerman debating with all this gravitas has Lonzo Ball let the Lakers down? I'd rather hear about Stagatz's wife in Costa Rica with the kids by herself. Not friggin' Lonzo Ball. So I'm gonna start watching the Levitard show. I always like Mike and Mike. Well, now, Golik and Wingo, because it's so vanilla. And I kind of like vanilla in the morning, but I'm gonna give Levitard a try, for sure. Again. Uh, my neighborhood is just delightful right now was spring upon us the maintenance crew which I pay a ton to fund in community fees the maintenance crew has put fertilizer everywhere very fragrant fertilizer and we all know what fertilizer is so the neighborhood smells like crap 
Not my crap. I know all too well what that smells like. No, this is even worse. Eyes water, gag reflex. I've also seen that happen inside my house. General Hospital, the soap opera, is 55 years old. That's really old. Shouldn't it be General Hospice by now? If you saw the opening episode of General Hospital, then you have indeed seen the Flyers win the Cup. Uh, Liverpool FC play AS Roma in the Champions League semis. The draw was today. Roma upset Barcelona, so they're pretty good, but uh, I'm okay with that matchup. 412-333-9939. Let's take one quick call. Wesley in Oakland. Wesley, you're on with Double M. Hey, Big Sexy. How are you doing today? What up? Having me. Uh, I just wanted, well, I, there was a, um, I think it was the early segment yesterday. You made that comment about uh, Gino's goal, like being one of the best ones uh, in Penguin history. I personally think the one in 08, 09, when he had the backhand over Cam Ward's shoulder. Yeah, the spinorama where he came around the uh, net and just reversed fields and, and backhanded a rifle over Cam Ward's shoulder. Exactly. Correct? Yeah, I thought that was better than that. I thought this one was better because it utilized speed and embarrassed Philadelphia's three best players. And whenever you can stick the words embarrassed and Philadelphia in a sense, that's generally going to win for me. Up next, I want to talk hockey, so if you do too, you call right now. But next, I'm going to talk bucko baseball. That's 30 seconds away, 105.9.